Oh, hello, everybody. Welcome back. This is No Chick Flick Moments. I'm your co-host, Remy. Hi. Hi, and I'm your other co-host, B. This is our Supernatural Watchcast, and we are glad to be back. We took a little vacation last week, but hey, everyone. Hey. Hey, Season B. one is still waiting for us. <laughs> whoa. Whoa. Who to thunk? Crazy how there's like another 300 episodes to go. <laughs> <laughs> Man, B, ever... So you legitimately, you shook me our last episode. You shattered my perception of everything when you told me that by watching season one on Netflix, and I presume other seasons through the through yes, the series yes 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 i'm not getting the original supernatural soundtrack nope you're getting the remix i literally i couldn't shake it watching this episode i still watched it on netflix i didn't go try to hunt down a different a different uh source <sighs> i think did I'm you get have boston to. playing in it probably not be probably not yeah, nothing is say. real oh rip rip I thought I thought that I could just go on. I thought that I could overcome. I I think I. I this is just going to sit in the back of your mind. It like, absolutely everything will. you watch, you're going to be second guessing the soundtrack too. Yeah, when when they were at the party in this episode, the the college frat party, I'm like, it's all a lie. I don't, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Anything that's not like ambiance soundtrack based is just like this is suspicious. <laughs> So, TBD, if mm-hmm. if I actually, if I actually, you know, n- don't be lazy and try to find somewhere else to get the, the episodes. I'm like, my little companion book is very handy in that it summarizes the songs in each episode. So I could mm-hmm. always give you that list and then be like, here's what you can go listen to if you really feel like you're missing out. Mm-hmm. But I won't, I, I won't get it, B. It's, it's not, not the, the same. same. It's not, it's the, not the same. Yeah. I'm with you. I'm with you. Well, well, here we are. Season one, episode seven, Hookman. Again. A wild choice. (laughs) Again, Sam and Dean Winchester, Killers of Legends. Oh my gosh. And Hookman is just one of those. I'm like, you can hear, like, I'm frozen. I'm like, you went with that. Like, I... I get the appeal, but I'm like, there's something about that urban legend where it's fun to be like, it had to do with a sanatorium, it had to do with an escape serial killer, like that whole vibe. And then to see how they try and boil it into a case that Sam and Dean can handle, I'm like, you guys did good on that, but I'm still like, you're you're missing a certain je ne sais quoi of the original legend. Like, yeah. It's so close, and it's just a little off the mark for me. Yep, yep, I get that too. Uh, I, I, yeah. There's just something, something different about it being like a, 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 a spirit, and an s- evil preacher spirit. Uh huh. Uh-huh. And and then and then also, you know, I I thought it was really interesting that they chose to like call it the hookman legend you know like uh it would almost have fit better if they were doing hookman without in a world that didn't know of yeah like bloody mary you know 
Yeah, like using um, Bloody Mary as an example, I feel like that one, they did a really organic argument for what mm-hmm. was going on. It's kind of like with the woman in white where they're saying that this is something that is kind of a touch point in the culture that um, there's enough instances of this phenomenon being reported that... Or at least this is a legend that could be twisted sufficiently a number of times that makes it kind of placeless and timeless. Whereas Hookman really feels like we're in the 50s, we're close to an insane asylum, and Jason Voorhees is on the loose. Like, that's mm-hmm. what it feels like to me, at least. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then, and then also midway through the episode, they just, like, take something from a completely different urban legend and try to plop it into the hookman uh uh tell me about that urban legend well it's the uh aren't you glad you didn't turn on the light yeah that kind of that's not the hookman the calls coming from inside the house feeling again very 50s like well, this guy, the, who, the the author of this episode, just very obviously was a scary story to tell in the dark, kid. I mean, believe me, I know, I get it, John, but yeah, yeah, I'm calling you out. I'm calling you out. Because, <laughs> because you can't just take scratches and then take and then take another bit of 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 dialogue from a different story and say oh yeah that's the hook man no it's not mm-hmm. hook man doesn't really creep into people's bedrooms and like threaten you if you turn on the lights mm-hmm. so what you had never heard you never heard that little scary story can't fire story about um aren't you glad you didn't turn on the lights when the college roommate comes into the dorm and and gets ready for bed and her sleeping roommate is you know, not actually sleeping act- Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> I'm I'm sure I've heard it, but it wasn't ringing as evocatively as say like the call is coming from inside the house type mm-hmm. thing where the babysitter is getting these harassing phone calls like have you checked on the children and then she gets the cops involved and then it turns out the call has been coming from inside the house the whole time like that urban legend i'm a lot more latched onto than say the, <laughs> the aren't you glad you didn't turn on the lights well this episode is very creepy pasta <laughs> and um it was an episode that was written by john sheban and directed by David Jackson. And its original air date was October 25th, 2005. So, like, this is basically the Halloween episode. Maybe we should cut him some slack. I mean, maybe. But it wasn't intended to be. Like, we're noticing that it's the same writer as last week's episode. And um, I was looking into why that's the case. You know, it's very unusual for it to be back-to-back. And... Originally, this was going to be the third episode. This was going to take the place of Dead in the Water. But um, the director that they had for the episode, I guess, um, wasn't very practiced in turning um, a horror story in a television format. There's some very um, decisive point of view that is necessary to build horror. And I guess they weren't getting that from the original take. 
So this episode had to go through some reshoots and it got pushed back in the schedule. And I think honestly, it fits really well where it is because if they had um, Sam and Lori's kind of connection going on as the third episode, I feel like that would have really undercut um, the grief we're expecting Sam to feel at that point in the story. Yeah, I totally agree. Uh, I thought that it actually fit in pretty well here. I if you if you didn't tell me that this was supposed to be episode three, then I would have never known that it wasn't supposed to be right here because ending last episode, we it was pretty Sam centric, and we had the no, it wasn't it wasn't blood. Never mind. I'm thinking of Bloody Mary. I'm thinking of the vision of Jess at the end of Bloody Mary, but we did have skins in between um then and now. Uh but skins skins uh, I'll I'll never It's fine, it right. it's fine. We know what you're talking about. We know the real episode name at this point. The singular skin B. So um but uh I thought that this was kind of picking up on that, uh, obviously not explicitly, but we, you're, you're right. Having it here in episode seven, um, feels a bit more organic than through episode three. So, uh, yeah. And I feel having these two back to back, I was also like, oh, I see how this, um, writer, um, perceives Dean Uh (laughs) and kind of his persona, like that performance of masculinity and like this story book version of college that he's following the whole way through this episode. I'm like, it's just bizarro to see. Uh Um, I can't wait to discuss it more with you. Yeah. Yeah. I think I think some version of Ishihat was used probably three to four times between this episode and last episode. Oh my god. So my and like don't raid her underwear drawer. <laughs> like <laughs> I'm just like, Dean, you've watched so many eighties raunchy comedies, haven't you? Like you just embedded in your head what you thought Sam was doing in college and what kind of time he was having and what you were missing out on. Like Yeah. <sighs> Yeah, yeah, because even last episode with Sam's college friend Rebecca, he was making all sorts of insinuations, and it was on a similar vein to what we're seeing now. Yeah, so I'm like, does this writer um, maybe not have a different version or more depth that he has in mind for Dean? Or, like, is this just genuinely the surface read is the only read that this... Um, guy was interpreting Dean as. I don't know, but last week in Skin, he gave us um, that inner look into what Dean was really feeling. So he wrote it as some some sort of you know posturing Dean's attitude, Dean's yeah uh, uh, mask here. Uh, he revealed in Skins that. He, he's performing, Dean is performing to some extent. So again, this almost felt like a continuation of that. Well, and I'm just having a second here thinking that if this script was originally intended to come before Skins, then um, if we think of Dean's behavior towards college in this episode, mm-hmm. um, how he's being all jokesy and like enamored with it, basically, but at the same time 
trying to keep a distant from it, I guess. Um, and then we go into Skins where we hear that he had plans of his own, dreams of his own, and he couldn't go pursue them the way that Sam did. Like, seeing it in that order all of a sudden has this extra flavor to what we saw in Skin because of just Dean saying, like, I wanted things too. Mm-hmm. Like, it takes kind of the joke see behavior he has in this episode and flips it on its head. Mm-hmm. Uh, yep, I would agree. Yep. Yeah. So it's interesting. If listeners, if you're watching through, just maybe give it a chance. See Hookman first and then see skin and just see what attitude of um Dean versus college is going on. Mm-hmm. Very meta. Very meta. Very, very <laughs> meta. Well, so uh, for this episode seven, the uh, synopsis for the episode reads, the infamous hookman, a vengeful spirit who kills his victims with the shiny hook that serves as his hand, terrorizes a small college town in Iowa. Sam and Dean learn that all of the victims are connected to the daughter of a local minister and race to find and destroy the hooked man's bones before he comes for them. Well, that was a a quicker synopsis than <laughs> most we've gotten this season, so good on them. Yeah, yeah. And we open to a college dorm. Yes. There is the Theta sorority somewhere out in East Iowa, and these two girls are kind of working together on an outfit for one of them's date that tonight, that night. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Dressing, dressing for a date and a party. And the, in one of the girls, the original outfit that she had picked out is a bit too Martha Stewart. Yeah. It's very demure, long sleeves, button up. And her friend Taylor is suggesting something more revealing, like this halter top that leaves her back open. Um, This is definitely more date attire in her mind. Mm hmm. And, you know, Lori, the college roommate, she she's a bit reluctant, but hey, she at least recognizes that she looks good. She'll step out of her comfort zone a little bit here. Yeah, she'll give it a try. Mm-hmm. So her date's downstairs. Um, they drive off and the car parks in this remote spot beneath a bridge. Um, they have some time before they show up at the party and the guy, Rich, seems to have something in mind with what he wants to do to pass the time. Yeah, yeah. Which Lori uh, seems pretty amenable to. She does get a call from her dad while she's parked with Rich. She ignores it. And, yeah. Um, and they start to do a little do a little kissing. But when Rich starts to get a little handsy, she does tell him no. Yeah. And so his hand is slipping under her halter top. She kind of says kibosh on that Um, when he tries again she pushes him back once more and about at this time outside there's this sudden scraping sound of metal on metal and rich steps out of the car to investigate yeah and rookie move (laughs) yeah rookie move rich is the dumb dumb horror movie white boy 
Uh, and Richard and Lori didn't see, but we did see a shadow lurking in the trees, and we see the uh, flickering ghostly figure of a man that has a hook for a hand. Mm -hmm. Who would have thought with this episode title? Gasp! <laughs> Shocker! <laughs> But yes, he tears he tears through uh one of the road signs making the noise uh that Rich goes to investigate and as Rich is outside of the car behind him uh invisibly comes another screeching tear through the car door on the outside of the car and we see this this uh, tear in the metal form uh, without actually seeing the Hookman spirit. Yeah. Some sort of invisible force is at work here. Mm -hmm. And it punctures two tires. It smashes the back window without shattering it. And Rich is all of a sudden gone. And Lori is being reasonable. She's locking the doors. And then, oh shit, I better roll up the window and she just kind of sits there in anticipation for what's to come next. Yes, yes. And there's a tense moment of silence before a large thump on the car roof. Lori screams. There is scraping. There is squeaking. The car is shaking. She freaks. And when things go quiet again... uh. She gathers her courage and makes a run for it. Yeah, but she pulls a rookie move and she looks behind her as she goes. And from that glance, she sees hanging upside down from the bridge is rich, bloody, um, and it looks like the ring on his hand is what is scraping against the roof of the car. And we hear the slick squeaks of his fingers through the blood on the roof of the car as well. Yeah. It's a very effective scene. Mm -hmm. I'm glad they reshot it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We end on her blood-curdling scream. And then, title card, it's time to go. <laughs> title card. Sam. Now we're with Sam and Dean. And Sam <laughs> is abusing a payphone that did nothing wrong <laughs> but uh, he is not happy with whatever he has heard from this phone call that he's on he marches back to dean and basically says well that's another lot of nothing i have checked fbi's missing persons morgue john doe's license plates and there is no sign anywhere of john winchester yeah and dean doesn't seem too surprised by this he's like yeah i'm telling you if dad doesn't want to be found he's not going to be found and that's that on that mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but in lieu of john's presence he offers a case instead this invisible attacker that brutally murdered this frat boy um and he tops it off with a cherry saying dad would check it out yeah, yeah. Sam is saying, look, the girl was just freaked out. She didn't see anything. It was just a thing that happened. But 
hey, Dean says, this is enough to work on. If it was dad, we would go. So off they go. Yeah. And this was the point in my first watch that I was like, oh, we're going to take turns every week being like, this isn't a case. (laughs) Yes, it is. I guess so. And then, you know, we're just going to tag team who's going to be the skeptic and who's going to be the one convincing the other one to Uh investigate. Oh, yeah. Get comfy, B, because that's going to be that's going to be the the way of things, I'd say, up until the end of season three. Yeah, this is a baton that's going to be perpetually passed on a marathon race. Uh-huh. There have been many a Tumblr memes over over this little uh, hot potato. <laughs> but yeah, they go to check it out. It's only 100 miles away. So they pull up to this fraternity um, in Iowa. And for some reason, one of the kids outside has like a screwdriver and a banana as he is looking into the hood of this car. Oh my God. B. Oh my God. Okay. So not only is this guy eating a banana, um, but he, there's also, uh, a collection of empty beer bottles resting on top of the car. And for any beer drinker out there, I mean, come on. That's not, that's not a good, that's not a good mouthfeel. But what is this? What is happening? A banana <laughs> in beer? his vitamin K. Like, it was an emergency. <laughs> if his potassium was getting low, he was going to pass out. Maybe he's diabetic. <laughs> you never know. A, I'm, a banana... I'm sure there was some plot point in Honey, I Shrunk the Kids around potassium. I can't fucking remember what, but that was like a recovered memory where I'm like, this is critical knowledge. In the important question B, are we talking about Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, the movies, or Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, the ABC Family television series? Oh my god, it had Rick Moranis, baby. I don't know if he was in both, but I'm pretty sure it was a movie. No. It might have been Honey, We Shrunk Ourselves. They had had a different, uh, a different daddy shrink. I don't know what his name is. I feel weird. That, I said that, that was a weird but, sentence, yeah. but we mm-hmm. we're gonna recover. You're fine, Remy. Okay, different actor for the for for the uh, Disney show. I think I said ABC Family, but I was wrong. It was Disney. Don't at me. You're fine. I think that that's a close enough mistake. Look under bananas, our current corporate conglomerates. Uh huh. Yeah. You know, I I actually you're right. You're absolutely right. Disney does own ABC, so it's all. It all comes out in the wash. Yeah, it all washes out. Absolutely. It's great. <laughs> so, so, but I, I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't do it, B, because but bananas have a very distinct taste and beer, I, I was cringing and I didn't, yeah. Yeah, I'm not minor. sure what's going on at this frat. I mean... They're introducing themselves outside, being like, yeah, we're your frat brothers from Ohio. And then when they go inside, I guess the school mascot is just the purple man. And there's this kid (laughs) that's like, I'm painting my body purple as a representative of the purple man. I was like, John, were you the one who decided on this? Like, what what inspired you to just be like, our mascot is a purple man? (laughs) Uh, It's just the school colors. It doesn't have to be the purple man. I'm pretty sure there was a sign on the wall that was oh, like was the there? purple man. And oh. I was like, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> that would actually be pretty, pretty funny. 
yeah purple uh-huh. purple and gold and uh this this guy is gonna be representing at the at the big game today so he's donning the school colors uh with <laughs> what looks to be a bucket of sherwin williams paint and i'm like baby that's probably not good for your skin yeah you are absorbing so many soft chemicals and metals (laughs) like i hope you enjoy cobalt yeah yeah but you know we make sacrifices in the name of school spirit so he needs sam to help him get his back he doesn't want to miss a spot Yeah. And this, again, is where I'm like, John, you have some curious behaviors that you're giving Dean, because Dean is, I don't know if I'll (laughs) label the comment, I'll let the listeners decide how this should be labeled, but when offered the bucket of paint and paintbrush, Dean is like, oh no, like Sam's the one who's the artist. You should see him with a brush. And I'm just... Dean, what are you doing? (laughs) He didn't want to paint the guy's back. But, like, he's making a point later to be like, you missed a spot down lower on his back. Like, Mm -hmm. John, I'll say this, two episodes in, he does an excellent job of this masculine parody Uh (laughs) of a dude going on with Dean. And like we're enough into the season right now that is still maybe we could call it legitimate, but the more that they do these types of things with Dean, the more performative it seems and the deeper a hole they dig for themselves with his character. And I, I just can't help but see these things and I'm like, "John, you're holding a shovel and you're just like, we're going to break earth and then we're going <laughs> to dig 6 feet down and then we're not going to be able to get out of this." I I agree, um, especially thinking about how this episode was written as episode three, because, I mean, B, we talked it to death, episodes one and two, uh, this archetype that they were creating for Dean and Dean's mm-hmm. character in his introductory episodes, and we're already seeing some breakdown of it, but um, in this season one, he is you're right it it, even by now episode seven it's starting to feel more and more performative the more we learn about dean as a person when um when it's 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 almost this caricature and it's like they tried Mm -hmm. to just they tried to just do the surface level thing but the the there's still this like oops depth to this character which makes yes. it which makes it something more than it was written as i think yeah because having it be at the superficial level um that's the only point where really this super macho masculine stereotype stands up mm-hmm. the second that you try and give it any depth the second you try and investigate it that's when you see it as a facade and it starts falling apart. So to see Dean in like episode three and we hear about how he's scared all the time, but he tries to be brave because it's what his, he thinks his mom wants him to do. And we see these glimpses in skin about how, you know, this isn't the life that he wanted, but it's what he feels he has to do. As soon as you start putting those, 
I have to do moments into the character's backstory, um, it throws that hyper-masculine stereotype up in the air. And mm-hmm. it goes, this could easily be just another one of those things that you feel you have to do. Yeah. Yeah. And even even beyond that, it's we we see Dean turn on a dime with these performances to a point where it just all seems like a performance. This is no different than him, you know, hey, I'm writing a paper on the local forest area. Mm-hmm. Uh yeah, just your just your good old UC college student who didn't Dr. Solovich tell you that we were supposed to be coming? Come on. Exactly. He's able to pull these moments out so quickly and so easily, and you can see the practice behind them. Mm-hmm. So, again, as soon as you're trying to give any sort of depth to the stereotype, it throws everything into the house. Like, it's a house of cards. It just falls mm-hmm. apart. It falls into the open air. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, but Sam's a trooper. Sam helps the guy out, and... um And... As they're talking to this guy, they're prying for information. They uh, they heard about that death that's messed up, right? Uh, I heard there was someone with him, and uh, the the mascot is only too happy to provide some, you know, provide what they need. Uh, yeah, it wasn't just someone. That was Lori Sorensen, the Reverend's daughter. Super hot. Uh, Rich was, Rich was a good guy, a lucky guy until he died. Yeah, this local hottie. Uh Uh-huh. So, okay, she's from the area. Um, and you said her name is what? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Reverend's daughter? Which denomination is that? So, let's go check it out. Yeah. Yeah. And so they go, they do go to the church. And at the church, uh, they are coming in on the Reverend's sermon. He is, um, you know, putting out to the community thoughts and prayers for the, the family of the lost young man and uh, giving a personal thanks because, uh, you know, th- this, this tragedy um this tragic loss hit close to home because the reverend truly believes that rich died trying to protect lori uh and and he is just calling out to the community to let's pray and keep our kids safe <laughs> right yeah well yeah yeah he's he's calling out for a moment of silence for this this loss to the community yeah and that, I feel like it raises some questions about what he knows about Lori, because he's not talking about Rich as if he was a long-term boyfriend or someone that was really close to Lori. Um, it just sounds like he died protecting my daughter, and I'm grateful for that. Mm-hmm. So I'm wondering what sort of story was spun maybe when she was telling him what happened. You know, like, oh, we were just on our way to the party, and we got a flat tire, and then this started happening. Like, it leaves some room for um, curiosity as to their relationship. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, we could also just see it as you know they had a con they had a casual relationship uh i don't think it i didn't get the read that they were in some sort of like real long-term relationship 
Uh, I agree. But I think that with what we learn about Laurie's character, that it is something that she would be conflicted about because she seems to be the type that would want to find someone like for a long-term connection. So maybe this date with Rich was just a persona she was trying on at the behest of her roommate, or she could have genuine interest in it. But um, again, that conflict that we learn is within her um, could have played a part in just the fact that she was seeing him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Definitely. So, uh, so like I said, the reverend calls for a moment of silence, and the the congregation bows their ha- heads to pray, Sam included, and he even gives Dean a little prompting nudge, uh, to say like, "Hey, respect the rituals. Put your head down." Yeah, but. Lori had sort of stopped paying attention during the sermon and she was looking back behind her when Sam and Dean entered and uh, she and Sam were making like some long term eye contact (laughs) this whole time. Ooh, cute boy. And I was like, girl, Rich just died. Yeah. Like, again, question mark. Oh, Lori makes some questionable decisions this episode, let's just say. She's on a roller coaster of emotions and she's not getting off anytime soon. <laughs> well, well, so so they stay through the end of the service and as they are leaving the church, uh we see a quick scene where uh Lori is with her roommate and the roommate is uh trying to get Lori to come, you know, hang out at the sorority house uh that night. Uh, she needs to take her mind off of things. Let's watch movies and do, do tequila shots. But Lori's mm-hmm. putting her off saying, and no, uh, I mean, my dad does Sunday dinner every Sunday. Uh, and I really can't miss it. So the the roommate's saying, look, you, you gotta, you gotta learn how to have some fun. But yeah. 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 So Lori is definitely leaning on the fact that there's this Sunday night dinner. Mm-hmm. And um, so she parts ways with her roommate um, and then Sam and Dean come over and introduce themselves and say, um, basically, Sam takes the opportunity to commiserate with her and say that he knows what she's going through. Yeah. Yeah. I I saw someone get hurt once. I uh, it's hard to forget. Yeah. And her dad, Tom, the reverend, appears and he's kind of hovering nearby. And so Dean kind of takes the cue and coaxes the reverend to come offside with him talking about, you know, we're looking for a new church now that we're moving into the area. And that gives Sam the opportunity to speak to Lori alone. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Try to get Lori's story. And, um, and, you know, Lori acknowledges that it's impossible what she saw or didn't see. And, you know, she just must have been so scared that she was seeing things. But Sam reassures her, you know, that doesn't mean it wasn't real. So what, what did you see? Tell me what happened. Mm -hmm. And, um, we cut away here, but, uh, we're now at 
a library with Sam and Dean, and Sam uh, must have gotten the full story from Lori, as Lori recall remembered it. And these are sounding pretty familiar. These details of uh, what went down in the woods with the uh, the pop tires, the the slashes, and the suspended body. Yeah. This, the body is suspended over the car. Uh, two plus two equals Hookman. Yeah. And Dean's kind of like, wait, the Hookman? You think it's the Hookman? And Sam's like, well, it doesn't necessarily have to be a person. It could have been a spirit that was doing this. Yeah. Yeah. Because Dean says, um, you know, what about the invisible attacker? What about uh, the... You know, these things that don't match up with the legend of Hookman, which is, like you said, always lent more to, you know, an actual serial killer uh, than than a spirit. But hey, all urban legends have to come from somewhere. So let's check to see if this was a real person from the area. Maybe now yeah. we're dealing with a spirit. Yeah, we have a research hour, and I really like the research that they did in this app. Just the books look so satisfying, these large tomes with tiny scrawling. Mm -hmm. But yeah, they start digging through records. The dusty, yeah, the dusty arrest records dated back to 19, uh, 1851. Yeah, and from there, they're seeing there was this man named Jacob Carnes. He was a preacher who ended up killing 13 sex workers in one night. Some of them, you know, dripping in blood in their beds and then some of them suspended from trees. And it all took place. Um, he was using this silver hook on his hand as mm -hmm. a weapon. And the location was that nine mile road where Rich was killed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And this is exactly what they were looking for. Uh, yep. But they still have to confirm. Yeah. So we have a brief interlude with Lori and her dad, Tom. Um, we find out that her mom has passed away. He's been living on his own since that. And he is worrying about her living in the sorority. You know, the drinking and partying that goes on in that type of crowd. Mm -hmm. We are definitely getting the sense uh, that this is a, you know, her father is very protective and wary of letting his daughter go out in the world, uh, sees college as a corrupting influence on her, and uh, Lori pushes back. She says, I am an adult now. You can't hold on this tight. I can make my own decisions. And she storms away from the car. Yeah. It's a whole, I do what I want, dad. Uh -huh. And she takes off and heads into the sorority. Mm-hmm. And she does seem a bit on edge as she's going upstairs. Um, she's cautious as she enters her bedroom with Taylor. And she sees her roommate asleep, so she doesn't turn on the light. She just exits into the bathroom to kind of change and get ready for bed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, at Nine Mile Road, Sam and Dean are prepping guns with rock salt rounds. They're getting ready in case the spirit shows himself. 
One thing, so we open this scene and we see the Impala in the dark uh, pulling up to the same spot yes. that Rich parked at. And uh, on Sam's side of the car, they have this really cool like window spotlight hooked mm-hmm. up, like super old school. And it's a very cool uh, little you know moment of that horror aesthetic. Where, yeah, it's a nice touch. Where at first I was like, it, does, Sam, it, does Sam just have his arm out of the window with a flashlight? <laughs> but, but they have they have this like legit spotlight. I'm like, I've never seen that before or since, probably. Yeah, uh, I forget about it being there. So so I don't I don't know if it was a permanent fixture or if it comes off. I don't know. Yeah, but they we'll have, have to spotlight. pay attention moving forward. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And we have the, you know, the spotlight and the misty, spooky, abandoned road. Uh, and, yeah, Sam and Dean are trying to prove their theory. They are going to the haunt site, and they're going to try to lure Jacob's ghost out. And, mm-hmm. uh, and to protect themselves, they have rock shot, rock salt rounds for their shotguns and this is the first time we've seen that a a a staple a supernatural staple or what becomes a supernatural staple yes but the writers had this moment of illumination since the pilot where they were like oh hey we can combine the sort of blue collar aesthetic of a shotgun with the mythology that salt can affect spirits mm-hmm. So um, I'm going to personally attribute this to Dean because, again, we didn't see this in the pilot, but we see it now. And Sam is impressed, like, kind of like, oh, like, did your dad think of it? And Dean makes a comment, you know, like, you don't have to go to college to be a genius, like, kind of preening for himself for coming up with it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, unlike when Sam stuck his nose up at, uh, Dean's Walkman EMF reader. Yeah. He's like, salt in a round? Genius. (laughs) Mechanical changing of a Walkman into a device that can read spirits? Eh. Eh. It looks, looks kinda, looks kinda janky, Dean. (laughs) So, yeah, Dean, Dean gets to preen a little bit i i agree though that i i took that as it was um uh something that you know obviously they weren't using that when sam was hunting with john and and dean throughout his childhood so this was i think that something something that dean himself came up with as he started to become more involved in the hunting and Mm -hmm. and stuff we've seen these kinds of uh this kind of creative thinking from him before yeah he's very good at improvisational Mm -hmm. fights i made it through that word (laughs) um but here now they hear a noise in the woods and they're kind of standing on alarm when out bombards this sheriff demanding them to get down on their bellies and Dean's kind of grousing because he's like, I wasn't even holding the gun. Like, <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I was like, oh, good job, guys. Mm-hmm. Let's just go to the murder site with a with a shotgun. Yeah. No one's keeping an eye out for like returning to the scene <laughs> of the crime. Whoopsies. Whoopsies. 
Um, back at the sorority, Lori is getting into bed, and we can see um, the gap between the bedroom door being open and the bathroom door being open. It forms kind of this triangle on the wall, and we're really zooming in on that area because we can see amid the shadows there is the shape of the hook man mm-hmm. so big yikes energy going on there mm-hmm. um when she wakes in the morning um she sees blood dripping from her roommate's bed and she finds this pool of blood spreading beneath taylor's bed and she did it's really time to scream and this is where um that moment you were alluding to that the writing on the wall we see scratched and bloody it says aren't you glad you didn't turn on the light and then beneath it there's this strange cross symbol Yes, and I recognize that symbol as uh, the same symbol from a charm uh, that was drawn uh, in the 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 rendition of Jacob's uh, hook hand. He had mm-hmm. a charm with this kind of religious religious looking symbol uh, on the hook, and when the hook was submitted as evidence, they had a sketch of 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 the of the murder weapon uh, on Jacob's uh, arrest file, preach, preacher Jacob, and yeah. and I recognize that symbol as the same that was carved into the charm on the hook. Yeah, it's pretty handy of him to be like, and here's my signature. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, But we'll cut to the sheriff's department. Um, Sam and Dean are exiting, and Dean is, again, just so proud of himself for talking them down to a fine by just saying that Sam was this idiot pledge getting hazed. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you look like a dumbass pledge, so of course he bought it, like... I loved this. I loved it so much because Dean's fast talking was just perfect. It was a little bit of uh, untruthfulness intertwined with the actual truth where, you know, Mm -hmm. Dean said that they were just hazing Sam as a new pledge. Uh, The the gun was loaded with rock salt uh, because... They were out there hunting ghosts. Sounds like a dumbass pledge thing to do. So the cops bought it. They weren't wielding, you know, lethal ammunition. So I guess they just got off with a fine. And Dean's just like, dude, I'm like Matlock. Man, and I don't know who Matlock is, but uh, when he first said that, I thought he said um, Murdoch, as in Matt Murdoch, uh, (laughs) the lawyer daredevil (laughs) and i was like ah dean comic book guy i love you (laughs) he did do a dr vankman um pull to ghostbusters so he's getting in his pop culture geekery in different ways Uh Uh Mm -hmm, mm uh-huh uh-huh um but um, they're walking and talking, and when they reach the Impala, all of a sudden from the sheriff's department bursts a whole bunch of cops, and my gut reaction was like, oh, did they change their mind? But no, <laughs> um, they're running past Sam and Dean, they're getting into their vehicles, they put the alarms on, 
And Sam and Dean decide it's time to ambulance Chase once again. Mm-hmm. Which works out for them because, yeah, turns out they are right back at the sorority house and there's been another murder. Yeah. Lori is bundled up in the back of an ambulance and the Reverend Tom is there advocating for her release. Um, the cops are reluctant, but he says either you arrest her or you let her go. And so she's let go with the caveat that if they want to talk to her later, they better be able to find her. Mm-hmm. Um, we do see Lori notice that Sam and Dean drive by looking very obvious as they are um, <laughs> watching what's going on. Yeah, yeah, they cruise by. The Impala is not a subtle vehicle, I will say. No, 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 no. So, so unsubtle that they have to drive around the block and then park in the back and then sneak their way that way to the sorority. I I was mad at Dean when he parked. I'm like, Dean, you can't, you can't park in front of a fire hydrant, dude. You're going to get a ticket. And then continuity, he does. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I like that. I like that little touch. Mm-hmm. but they they park the impala on the side of the road they sneak in through the back and um dean is doing the whole "Ooh, look sorority girls but sam yeah, do you is think all there's business. going to be a naked pillow fight which Ugh. again i was like you watched in the 80s you watched revenge of the nerds or something <laughs> like that you saw metatron before he was metatron <laughs> Yeah, yeah. It, again, it's just so over the top, so cliched. It's not genuine at all. No, it feels like a cultural reference rather than uh-huh. I don't know. It's it's Dean talking about what he sees on TV and trying to match it up to real life. Yeah, yeah, because he never got to experience real life. Period. No, no. But it's got to be just like the movies. Oh man, don't I'm make fine. me sad, B. I'm fine. We're fine. I'm fine. Sam, Sam, and Dean—they uh, boost themselves up to the second story, and they sneak into Lori and Taylor's dorm room. Yeah, lift up a window, kind of throw themselves in, flail around, and then <laughs> wait for the cops to leave. Be quiet. In order no, to go, you be quiet. Yeah. <laughs> And then, yeah, once the cop is downstairs, they are free to enter into the bedroom. They see the uh, carving on the wall. Aren't you glad you didn't turn off the light? Turn on the light. And Sam's like, oh, yep, that's straight out of Hookman. No, it's not, Sam. (laughs) No, it's not, John. Those are two different campfire stories. Get your shit together. (laughs) And they're doing what you do. They're like, I recognize the cross symbol because I was like, I don't. And then, oh, okay. We took a photocopy. We're looking at the picture outside. Uh-huh. And that's when Dean sees he got the ticket for parking in front of the fire hydrant. It's very cute. Yeah, very cute. He he picks up the ticket. He gives it a look. And I'm like, he might as well have just dropped it on the side of the road for all the, for all the care that he gave it. Yeah. And, like, their conversations about the case right now, I was like, okay, this isn't Nine Mile Road. Um, the Hookman isn't haunting a site. So what is this other motive? Um, if he's maybe 
um, able to travel, well then let's just burn his bones. Let's salt the earth and be done with him. Yeah. So records say that he was buried in an unmarked grave. Yeah. But at, at, at this point, are they um, speculating that we have this connection to Lori or not quite yet? Um, I think that um, that's what comes up in the party scene that's happening right next. Mm-hmm. Like, um, Dean's so stoked to be part of the college experience at, like, you know, this frat party. Um, he's kind of teasing Sam, you know, is this, like, your experience? Did you do this all the time? And Sam's like, no, I was a study guy. Mm-hmm. And then this is where um, Sam suspects that the spirit is using a man of religion who openly preaches against immorality based on two other events in the area that happened since Jacob Carnes passing. Yeah. Yeah. 1932, a clergyman arrested for murder. 1967, a Sumerian held in a hippie rampage. So they are uh, speculating, you know, it, is this spirit being summoned by the reverend? Uh, you know, it, we have these instances of religious men uh, being a, a blamed for the crimes of the spirit. So maybe the tie is to the reverend and he is punishing the perceived morality, not in the whole town, but specifically the threat uh the moral threat to his daughter yeah which would make sense exactly like the reverend is trying to save his daughter Mm -hmm. and maybe instead of haunting a place if it's a spirit haunting a person then it's likely to be a poltergeist attached to the reverend feeding on his kind of repressed emotions And so um, they decide to split up. Sam is going to keep an eye on Lori and Dean is going to go search for Karn's grave. Yeah, we have this great Dean moment where uh, Dean is obviously wanting to stay at the party. He's getting the flirty eyes from uh, a a cute girl playing pool. and, And he's like, oh, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go. Dig a grave. I like, I feel bad for the guy because, again, this is not anything in his wheelhouse. He didn't get to experience things like this, really. And so part of him is really delighting, you know, it's just like the movies. Uh And then the other part of him is dutiful and is, no, I'll be the one to take care of this. It's, he kind of sees sam and laurie having a connection and he's definitely encouraging that Mm -hmm. so it's part of the reason why he's volunteering himself for these less desirable tasks Mm -hmm. which involve going to a cemetery dark at night and then on high alert as he locates a grave and starts digging it up Yes, yeah. Oh, I'll also say, right before we left the party, we got uh, Jensen's Mew of Discontent, which I just couldn't, I couldn't let go by without mentioning. It was just one of those little Jensen expressions that... (laughs) The dimples coming forth? Yes, yeah. Yes. But yeah, so Dean is at the cemetery. He finds uh, a, a grave stone that has... Jacob's 
signature symbol on it. So even though it's unmarked and that he's not named at this grave, uh, it is enough to go on to dig up the coffin and see what yeah. they find. Yeah. And as he's lamenting his lot in life, Sam is watching Lori and her dad. Um, they're inside their house having an argument. And Sam is there to greet Lori outside when she leaves. She says that she saw him from inside. And um, he admits that he's keeping an eye out for her, that he's worried about her. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Lori, you don't know this boy. No. And, like, when she said, and we learned jokingly, but she's like, I already called the cops. Like, they're on their way. I was like, good. Correct. And it's like, no, JK. Oh, girl. Lori, there has been two murders around your person in the last week. And you get this, this, this man who is fucking inserting himself in your space in a way that is not charming Lori, please (laughs) like watching outside of your house late at night as you like argue with your dad and then you go out and greet him in the dark and like (laughs) she doesn't know it now but at his feet there is a duffel bag with a shotgun in it like (laughs) oh my god girl these are the makings of your killer Lori truly like, all you needed was a cop to drive by and the fucking sirens would be on and then Sam would be in jail for questioning for what the fuck were you doing, you crazy stalker. Oh, man. But no, she's charmed by this. Um, she, She's saying, oh, like, I figure I'm cursed. You should stay far away from me. And Sam really sympathizes with that. Yeah, yeah. I think I know how you feel. Uh anyone who gets close to me gets hurt that kind of thing yeah and as dean is salt and burning the bones of jacob carnes sam and laurie talk and she's really venting now about her dad because she just found out that he is seeing a married woman a married woman i should say Mm -hmm. and um She's just really torn up how he preaches one thing and then does another. And what is she supposed to think of that? Yeah, yeah. What what does he know about faith? She is conflicted. Uh, she says she was raised, she was taught her whole life that if you do something wrong, you'll get punished. And we see Sam take take note of that. Like, that. that's not... that. That's not normal. That's a hard line. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's a hard line to take. It is. Um, and, but, but she, like I said, she's conflicted, you know? Like, she wants her dad to be happy, but at the same time, what he's doing is extremely immoral. And that was her hard line. That's what she was raised to be her hard line. Like, you do something wrong and you'll be punished for it. Which has obviously messed her up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like this whole, I love someone, but they're doing something bad, so they should be punished, but I don't want to see them punished. Mm-hmm. Like that whole 
tangle of emotions is really heightened in her and she doesn't really know what to do with it. Mm -hmm. But um, what she does do with it is kind of go in for a hug with Sam and then put a hand in his hair Mm -hmm. and give him a kiss that he reciprocates. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which is which yeah. is a weird like it's a weird vibe all around, right? Because yeah. Sam is grieving Jess and Lori is just this like straw man for Sam in a way. Yeah. It like she if she's the mirror to him, her feelings for Rich are not the same mm-hmm. as what we're being told Sam's feelings are for Jess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She it, it her her character in this episode is this weird um this this weird combination of a a sam strawman and a sam blow-up doll unfortunately yeah like she is the college experience she is the not really fitting in um she's trying to do what the other people are doing but it's not really working for her and this whole i feel i'm cursed feeling that mm-hmm. sam has um we're being given all of these beats about her because of how they reflect on sam mhm mhm uh yeah and uh the reverend interrupts uh this private moment and he says hey lori inside now yeah but oh shit the hook man appears right behind him and spears him through his shoulder and drags him into the house oh yeah oh yeah oh yeah dean burned those bones but i'm like oh boy honey child there's 14 minutes left in the episode don't you know it's not over yet we ain't done yet we ain't done and yeah, Sam just grabs his shotgun, just sitting out. I'm like, <laughs> America, explain. But he runs inside of the house. He finds where Tom is screaming and he bursts into the room right before the hookman is about to plunge his weapon down into Tom, um, firing off two salt rounds. It makes the ghost dissipate and Lori goes to check on her dad. Yeah. She seems cool that this happened. <laughs> I love how even even at the end of the episode, she's like, I don't really know what happened, but I'm glad you were here. I'm like, honey, you are not. What What is this writing? Who are you? You're nothing. It's, it's like your memories are being edited. And I don't know. Like, I again, I'm comparing to Dead in the Water because... They both have cases where they're trying to figure things out. They're kind of on the clock that there's a countdown, a body count rising as time goes on. And Dead in the Water we really liked because it left room for questions. It left us this gray area of, you know, there's just weird shit out there that we don't all understand. And so when our main character that, like, our monster of the week victim, um is approached with it she's just yeah like it's weird and it doesn't make sense and that's just the way it is but then in this episode it's like we're going to explain every beat between the first scene to the last and then when you have your character like laurie being like i don't know it happened and then just left at that like it's it's a counterintuitive element 
when the whole rest of your episode was set up with like explanations for everything. Yeah. 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 And and I likened Lori more to Rebecca in the previous episode, Skins. Skin. The singular skin. <laughs> Maybe this is just a sign that I should go rewatch uh BBC Skins. <laughs> You know, it's been, it's been, it's been kind of in the back of my mind. Anyways, so Rebecca in Skin, uh, she was a character that was in just like the hot girl that was made to sit there and be lusted after by the monster and subjected to his little, uh, oh, woe is me. I'm so persecuted. Uh, yeah. Speech. And here we have Lori who is too 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 shallow of a character to 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 really you know connect with me the viewer and um and she just is gonna go walk out in the dark to sit next to this guy that she met yesterday and hear about you know air her problems that reflect that are just meant that were just written to be a reflection of the protagonist's problems. Yeah. And then get a kiss from the hot guy, I guess. Yeah. Like, they are trying to illustrate, you know, she feels isolated. She feels cursed. No one else is talking to her. She just had this big fight with her dad. But it still is like you say. It it feels like she is not really a character with agency. She's just reactive to what the plot requires of her. Mm-hmm. We want these events to happen for Sam. We want these events to happen for Dean. Ergo, she's going to react in this fashion. Mm-hmm. I think I think Lori for as much um as as much as this episode is driven by Lori uh that was the weakest part of this episode yeah they didn't really give us information about the conflicts in her it was just conveyed through what she says in this one scene like it didn't really seem or maybe it was too subtle for me um that she felt conflicted about the outfit that she'd be wearing yeah. like it seemed to me like she and her roommate genuinely got along yeah and then now all of a sudden we're supposed to in highlight be like oh the roommate was like too much of a party girl for her and i was like she seemed like just a normal girl like why are you painting this yeah. character in that light just so that you can have that plot point. Oh, I absolutely agree. Like, come hang out with me and the girls. We're going to watch scary movies and just drink and hang out. That's not... That's... Scandalous. Yeah, I know, right? Yeah. So it just... I I think it sucked that they're like, we're going to have Lori's internal conflict be the motivation that our spirit latches onto but we're not going to really show that conflict and we're not even going to really give the audience things to latch onto. I mean, maybe they were like 2005 and the black roommate likes to drink, ergo she's crazy, but like it wasn't conveyed and it sucked that they did what they did to just make the body count more threatening for this monster of the week. Yeah. Yeah. And even, and even how the spirit like later 
tax Lori, it was very contrived to me. Yeah. She's like, I know what happened. Like, we're skipping ahead, like, one yeah. fucking scene. But I know what happened. I need to be punished for it. And then the ghost is like, happy to oblige. Like, uh-huh. yeah, contrived is the right word for it. Right, right. Especially when it's supposed to be, like, conflicts of morality and... Entered into Hookman. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. I'm like, the episode does a good job of sleight of hand. Where it's like, pay no attention to the details, pay no attention to this and that, just run with me for the next 43 minutes, because we got to get through all of this quick. But you sit there and you take any of these things apart, and you're kind of like, okay, what the fuck is this doing there? (laughs) The hook man is a preacher who killed sex workers and then possessed other preachers. And then killed other people that he deemed immoral. Or like, fed, not not possessed other preachers, fed off of their contempt for their community and, and, and used that to repeat his, his crime. Yeah, his crimes. Yeah. Again, wild take on the urban legend. Mm-hmm. Pay no attention, though. <laughs> gotta go. We're at the hospital. Tom and his daughter are, you know, inside of, it looks kind of like an ICU type thing. Sam is talking with the sheriff, who's kind of like, oh, fuck, I've seen you twice in two days. Like, this is enough of that. Um, And then Dean shows up, just being like, hey, that's my brother. Let Uh me through. And then this is where we get Sam sassing Dean for not burning the bones, except Dean did. Yeah. Yeah, he salted and burned everything that was in that coffin. So uh, so if it is the spirit of Jacob Carnes, what's up? And Sam says, well, what if it's something else? What if there's something that we missed? What about the hook? Did you burn the hook? Yeah, and Dean's like, oh, the hook wasn't in the grave. <laughs> and, you know, if our initial theory is kaput, you know, the spirit's latching on to a religious man, then how about the spirit is latching on to Laurie? Because the reverend wouldn't send the hook man after himself. And I'm like, but then Laurie does? Okay, okay, fine. Um, They're going to have to go and do some research into where the ho- heck where the hook the heck it was uh-huh. placed. Uh-huh. So, another research time. Another book that I really like. Good props. Um, we find out that Karn's possessions were given to the St. Barnabas Church when he was executed. And this is the same church where Laurie and Tom live. Yes. Yep. And presumably even the same church uh, that the other religious men from 1937 and 1962 uh maybe maybe this was their parish as well but really you know we have the record that says that the hook was surrendered to the church and unfortunately it was reforged so it could be anything yeah, something silver in the church's possession. So it's time for some petty B and E. Yeah. Also, in this library scene, we get one of Dean's uh, little character uh, tw- tw- tweet uh, 
quirks. I was like, twerks? That's not, no, that's <laughs> not it. That is not Dean it. twerks in a library. Okay, <laughs> I'm making notes. I didn't see this deleted scene, but I'll look it up. <laughs> one of the Dean twerks. Okay, one of the Dean quirks, which is him um, chewing on his uh uh pin cap the whole time that he's talking and and researching with the, on this book mm-hmm. and he is just fiddling with the pin cap chewing it and it's just uh, I, I don't know i i i, I kind of like dean's oral fixation kill me yeah i like the little details in the first season like mm-hmm. when he was digging and then salting and burning the gravesite um just seeing all of his bracelets seeing his ring um down to his t-shirt just sweating his ass off like i just like the little details that they had for his character and yeah. i'm kind of sad that they do strip these things away yeah yeah but yeah the research is leading them to go and break into the church and find anything silver and let's melt it down in the little wood stove, I guess, that is someplace in the church. And and also, like, what the fuck do you think reforging is? I would think that if you burned down the silver hook, that would have done the trick, but apparently not. Yeah, I was like, okay, so you melted the silver because the silver hook was melted into something else. I was like, (laughs) did we just melt it till it evaporated? Is that how (laughs) silver works? Or maybe it was diluted by all the other silver that they melted down that the spirit was like, well, shit. At least he didn't do like the T-1000 and he was like, now all of this silver I am possessing. Oh, yeah. Anyway, it's it's an inch. It's again choices. Um, they have split up. Dean is in the church. Um, Sam is, you know, grabbing all of the silver, and overhead they hear floorboards creaking. And so when Sam goes and checks it out, it is now Lori, very repentant, in the pews. Praying and crying, seeking forgiveness because she's blaming herself for what happened to her dad. Yeah, I don't, I don't know how, I don't know why, but I, I must be the cause of this. This is my fault, and I see now. I see the truth. They didn't deserve to be punished. I do. Yeah, she figures that she has somehow summoned an avenging angel. And that is what is striking down all of the people around her. And Sam's like, yo, that is not an angel. Like, that's not what they do. Mm -hmm. But she does this very pointed, like, she has a desire to be punished. And so, boom, now she's the target for the hook, man. Yeah, yep. And like you said, when Dean said earlier, well, you know, the Reverend wouldn't sick the hook man on himself uh apparently apparently that's not an issue yeah that that can happen Mm -hmm. and like they were using the same theory of the ghost the spirit feeding off of repressed emotions but yeah somehow it was like tom couldn't do that to himself but now we're seeing Lori do it to herself Mm mm-hmm mm-hmm Okay. And, and then and then you know now we have this extended uh flight and fight with uh the the hookman spirit uh Sam and Dean uh, no Sam and Lori 
are trying to flee uh, and, while Dean continues to burn the remaining silver that they had gathered. And mm-hmm. right when things are looking most dire, uh, Sam and Lori are cornered by the hook man. Dean does get a good shot in uh, with the salt round and the hook man uh, disappears for the moment. Yeah. Dean does this great running down the hall, you know, yelling for Sam to duck, and then he gets off the shot that kind of protects them. Mm -hmm. And they have a moment to regroup and go, okay, what the hell? We've gotten rid of everything silver. Wait a second. On Lori's tits, there's a necklace. (laughs) Lori, where did you get the necklace? I got it from the church. Is it made of silver? Yeah. Oh, shit. Just grabs it off of her Uh and then... I do like um, Dean takes the necklace and then he just throws the shotgun and the salt rounds at Sam. Like, it's not even like a catch. It's just, it's in your area. Deal with it. And then no, no, no. It, I, loved, I loved this handoff. There is this coordinated handoff yes. where Sam tosses the necklace to Dean at the same time that Dean tosses the shotgun to Sam. They both make the catch. But then Dean, as an afterthought, he has this handful of salt rounds like he just chucks at at sam it's it's zero attempt it was just like fuck it it's your problem now go 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 (laughs) he takes off with the necklace to the fire sam reloads the gun with his kind of limp arm um but it gets knocked away and then as the necklace is melting so does the hook on the spirit's hand and we see the spirit go up in flames. It's our first real salt and burn, V. Yeah. I love our it. Our first ghosty smoky. Our first ghosty smoky. Mm-hmm. <sighs> and very like, nostalgic. Pretty, good, pretty good special effects for the time, too. Mm-hmm. Like, it was effective. I agree. I actually really liked the look that they gave this Hookman spirit. Very spooky, good choice and actor for it. Uh, doesn't scream preacher to me, but you know. Yeah, no, it screamed like Pirates of the Caribbean to me. Uh-huh. I liked it. I mean, I could just be like, oh, hook pirates. <laughs> um, but then I was like, okay, so he's a spirit. The hook has technically been melted down to a necklace, but he's able to make it corporeal enough to kill people with it. So he's kind of like double hook, but... That's just me mincing at the fact that the spirit can manifest in that way. Mm-hmm. Anyways, you know, I'm thinking. I'm thinking about it. I'm thinking about it because we saw we saw the woman in white put her like fingers through Sam's chest. So yeah, I, I wonder. I wonder if the hook is well. I think that if the hook was physical, then it would have just you know then we would have had to go with something different than the reef. Yeah, I agree. Theory. It would be like a spooky hook floating in the air. <laughs> like, not effective. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So Dean returns from the fire and then the three of them have regrouped. It's the morning again. Now it's Dean's turn to talk to the sheriff. The sheriff is so fed up with Sam and Dean. He's, like, getting ready to get into the speech of, like, you better get out of town. And Dean <laughs> just undercuts this poor man's whole life. Yeah. Oh, don't worry. We're leaving now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, and... the, the, the sheriff was like, listen, son. Okay, no, bye. 
it seems like I've heard this story enough times in my life. Like uh-huh. I, I got it down by rote. I don't need it. Goodbye. Uh-huh. So he's sitting in the car while Sam and Lori have kind of a private moment before it's time to leave. And Lori's checking up on Sam, thanking him for saving her and her dad. And Dean watches through the rearview mirror. Um, and when Sam gets into the car, he makes this kind of soft comment of, you know, we could stay if you wanted to. But Sam says nothing. So they drive off. Yep. Yep. Just shakes his head no. And again, I'm like, if this was episode three, like that, that's a pretty bold thing for Dean to kind of be like, you know, we could just stay in one place now. Yeah. Yeah. They've got, they've got nowhere to be. So they, they except could they got to find their dad. Well, that's true. That's true. As soon as I said it, I was like, no, you know what this reminds <laughs> me of? You know, what this reminds me of hmm. Dean's mischance with Cassie. Where yeah. the one time that he that 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 we learn that he stayed in one place in that two year gap uh between between Sam leaving and then and then the beginning of the series he found someone that he thought he could love and he he stayed and you know it's it's like. This is De- this is a dean that still sees possibilities in in a future. He's not so consumed by by the drive to hunt that he would give up everything for it. Yeah. And like this optimism, I guess that's still yeah. there. This thought that, you know, we might be able to because Lori is different from Jess in the fact that Lori is now aware of the supernatural. Yeah. So there is maybe a bit more optimism that Dean has for that and thinking like, you know, his brother might actually have a shot with some happiness with this person because she knows and like she didn't run in the other direction. She went up to Sam. She was seeing how Sam was doing afterwards and they seem to have a kinship. So um, Dean's like, knows the rarity of that and is kind of like you know we can act on that yeah yeah but no sam yeah sam is not is not ready for anything anything even really close to that no he was the one on the phone looking for their dad at the start of the episode he still is holding on to that hope that they'll find john things will make sense and he can avenge jess yes Mm mm-hmm Gosh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so this was this was an interesting one. This one was a bit of a grab bag, but there were some really good moments in it. I agree. Uh, overall, I liked the pacing of the episode. I liked the theme of the episode. I um it, it had it had good moments. I again, I think that the weakest link here was the lack of um care that was given to developing any character outside of sam or dean yeah and it was feeling like the plot was so dense that the character moments that we had with sam and dean um they sometimes came off as superficial Mm -hmm. um the most genuine moment i felt was outside of the sheriff's department when dean was kind of razzing on sam and sam was 
being the beleaguered brother, you know, that to me, I was like, that's the most genuine moment in this episode. I liked it a lot more and I felt it a lot more than I did the rest. I, I agree. I also liked Dean in the cemetery away from an audience. Yes. yes. And I guess the research too. Like I was, yeah. I went on about how I liked the research and it is just that sort of, oh God, lamenting that they have to go through 150 years of mm-hmm. books, but also that they're so practiced at it that... um it's a fun dynamic to see. I agree. I agree. And that's actually that's actually kind of my takeaway for the episode. Um, my my final takeaway here is this uh, this episode. I don't know. I don't know specifically if I can point at what did it, but overall, this episode hit this like supernatural nostalgia for me, where i i really liked the sam and dean in the field aspect of this episode Mm -hmm. in later seasons it's so rare that that we just see sam and dean out in the world interacting with the normal world the 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 reverend the sheriff the sheriff laurie the frat boys the frat girls yeah, I was thinking of the party, like, mm-hmm. that they are just able to slip into this kind of everyday normalcy that everyone else is experiencing, but they're still othered in it while they're there. Yeah, yeah. But in later seasons, we we see them evolve from this. They, they're not just Sam and Dean looking for their dad, trying to hunt the ghost of the week they they get tied up into these grand things and they become grand legends themselves and they're and they're so uh, within the hunter community but Mm -hmm. i'm just thinking about how they become so jaded to what the normal world is that we don't see them operate in it very often really i think Cass more than anybody in later seasons becomes the person who can and does operate freely in the normal world. Yeah. And like you say that they evolve into these kind of legends, but I would say in other ways they stagnate too. Like, Mm -hmm. um, and that maybe is from the writing perspective because in the first season, like their personas that they take on are like frat pledges Mm -hmm. in the middle of the Midwest and they slip seamlessly into the environment using those personas. And we see them using a lot of these different, you know, we're going to be Homeland Security this day. We're going to be plumbers this day. Like they are very Jack of all trades um, masquerading in this blue collar lifestyle. Um, Whereas later on in the show, it feels like, we get to a shorthand where they're always FBI. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we lose some of that glamour of the mundanity of life. Like seeing them dressed up as firemen, seeing them dressed up as priests, mm-hmm. like these little things that are saying, I know about the real world and I can slip into it in any sort of place that I want. Yeah, I I liked something in this episode really 
highlighted that old school supernatural kind of way of doing things. The mm-hmm. the boots on the ground, monster of the week, brotherly dynamic, research in the library. Uh, I I liked it in this episode. Yeah, yeah, those are the things that I like too. So, what's your final takeaway? No, we agreed. We collaborated on this final takeaway. <laughs> uh we'll take it yeah i mean i i'm in agreement with you that there is some sort of like vintage feeling in this episode that it's striking where i don't know if i feel like the episode as a whole works because again it's that house of cards Mm -hmm. it's as soon as i start examining the way the hook man is a priest who kills sex workers and i'm just like what (laughs) If I look too closely at any one of these things, it starts to fall apart. But when you're just like, okay, reflecting on the episode as a whole, these are the glimmering spots that I pull out from it. And I kind of forget about the parts that are really jarringly like bad to me. Like Laurie's characterization, Taylor's characterization. It's just flat. It's not thought through as far as I'm concerned. Mm-hmm. No, I agree. But but still, yeah, at the at the beginning of uh our recording, right before we started recording, we were like gut check this episode, yay or nay. And overall I was like, yeah, I'll give it a thumbs up. I I yeah. enjoyed it. I'll I'll give it a light chirp. Like I think <laughs> it was pretty good. A golf I'm... a golf clap. Yeah. Just okay, yeah, you did what needed to be done. Mm-hmm. Um and it, I do think it benefited coming later in the series. This was not a good fit for episode three, in my opinion. I think where it sits in the roster so far makes sense. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think of episode three as dead in the water and how, like a house of cards, this dean winchester that they were building up in episode one episode two and what would have been episode three just came crumbling down yeah yeah like again i'm thinking of what we saw of dean's relationship to college in episode six Mm -hmm. and then how it it almost regresses in this episode it's played on its face in hookman where it's subverted in skin Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm so it benefits mm-hmm. in some ways but then uh i i would agree with you b for it for you guys listening if you do find yourself watching season one again uh maybe try to slip this one in there and see how it feels as an episode three yeah because it's it, it's a wild choice to me. <laughs> <laughs> but well, yeah that was episode seven Hookman. Hookman. And next week, very exciting, we will be covering season one, episode eight, Bugs. Bugs! Talk about supernatural vintage. I'm like, this episode has such a bad rap, but I honestly am very excited to talk about it with you. Season one, episode eight, Bugs. Beat out (laughs) as worst episode of Supernatural only by season 15, episode 23. Episode 23? 20. What? I don't know. How many episodes were in the last season? It was 20. Sure. It. It's always the second go, Remy. We know this already. 
<laughs> we love you for it. Guys, if you are new listeners and you're like, oh, fuck those guys. They covered 14 and 15, but I'll just hop in on season one. Um, Yeah, I'm always one off. I'm always one off. Always, always. <laughs> we have learned. Even when we're not recording, like we were talking about the Leviathan just earlier tonight and you were like, oh yeah, episode or like season eight. And then I was like, wait a second. No, that's not right. That's in seven, isn't it? And then it was like, oh shit. Yeah, it's in seven. <laughs> One off. One off. Oh boy. All right. Well, uh, thank you guys for listening. Do hit us up on Twitter, Tumblr, our website. Uh, share the podcast with a friend. If you enjoy our content, uh, like, subscribe. A comment goes a long, long way. We appreciate every single uh guys that you every single thing that you guys choose to do to promote us and um and engage with us yeah engage with us show that 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 you guys are enjoying the content because we lord knows we love 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 doing this podcast so thank you guys for listening yes thank you guys so much and we'll see you next week see you next week bye Bye. Bye.